I'm not coroned yet. That's awesome. Hello? Hello. How are you? Hello? Hello? Everyone sounds <laughs> healthy so far. That's a good sign. <laughs> right? I think we're just waiting for Joe. Hello. Hello. All right, we're all on. <laughs> and the recorder is working. Hooray. Yay. So we're amidst the crisis. Yeah, we, we we're, yes, we <clears throat> we are. We need to provide our um our uh, you know, service to the country. Yeah. <laughs> It's actually pretty terrifying because you stop stimulus like it is, and it has a ripple effect, and it affects everyone. Yeah. So you cancel the NBA games. Well, that's a lot of people. That's jobs, and the people stop spending, and that's restaurants. And then they don't. People don't fly, and that's airlines going out of business. People working from home causes people not to have to work at the building so people that yeah. support the building they're they're out of jobs it's crazy so, sounds like i'm being told that to start working from home starting next week they said i could do it starting tomorrow but i gotta go in and, and get stuff that i need so yeah i'll be starting monday yeah i mean we don't really have a, a confirmed case in our entire county yet but we have not, we have not we a ha single one. No, not yet. We have one or two. Yeah. And we have a lot in Colorado. Well, there's a ton in downstate New York, but I'm all you know at the very other end. But there is some in Rochester too, which is like the county next over to us. But now it that's could be the one where they've set up the National Guard, right? That's in that's in near more towards downstate, yeah. New Rochelle. I think okay. we. I think I just lost Joe. Come back, Joe. You know nothing. This nonsense. I can't blame him. No, Mike. I do have news for you, though. We canceled. We canceled our cruise. That's good. Well, you, did you cancel it, or did it expire? A carnival canceled no. a month month's worth of ship uh, sailing, right? Just the princess ones, not the actual carnival ones, at least not as of this afternoon. But we canceled uh, two days ago. Yeah. It would be crazy to go because you could potentially be stuck. That's my biggest fear. Is I, I, I don't want to get somebody spikes a fever. One of the 3,000 people on the ship spikes a fever and then we're quarantined for 14 days. Right. Yeah. That, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. That's what happened to Kristen. She had a business trip planned to India in um, April, and they, they're canceling not because India is, like, on the bad list right now, but because, you know, what if they get there and then all of a sudden they get stranded there? They're stuck, right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were supposed to go. My parents have been planning this for three years for their 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, 
but we, we, we ended up canceling. As of right now, we're still flying down to Tampa and we rented a house to hang out. It's two blocks from the beach, but that was on Tuesday. The amount of things that have happened between Tuesday and today, I, I'm not sure that we'll be able to be even, even fly by in, in two and a half weeks. Yeah, I mean, they canceled, you know, baseball today. It's, yeah. it's just changing by the hour. Every time, every exactly. time I look at the news, NCAA something else is, NCAA tournament's canceled, like done. It's not postponed. It's done. Yeah, and, but Kirk, that's exactly it. It's changing by the hour. I, I was talking to one of my friends. I said, we just decided just to rent the house two days ago. It feels like it was weeks ago with all right. of the things that have been, been happening. Yeah. Well, I, where I work, uh, I basically, I, I'm a volunteer coordinator and I struggle to get volunteers. I basically had to call all the people we've recruited and say, yeah, uh, we can't use you for three weeks and we'll, uh, readjust and see if we can bring back people by then. So, oh, wow. well, cause you know, you can't have people out there with the public and, you know, and they don't need to be there. Right. It's one of those things. It's just, it's too much of a, a liability, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so everyone's treating it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we can't, we can't travel. I mean, there's all kinds of restrictions for, I mean, for us at my work. But, um, and it's, I think it's going to be like, send us home, but I can't work from home. So that'll be interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's one nice thing is I do have a work-from-home computer already, a fast uh, internet at my house, so it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. It just depends on the duration. Like, yeah. As, well, as long I'm as it... hoping that this stuff wraps up quickly, but you know, who knows? Because, you know, like I said, every time you turn on the news, there's something new going on. <laughs> Yep. And I'm hoping that it's an abundance of caution and not that we're actually going to be that bad off. Right. Bar- Barb said, like, statistically, we're on the same tread- trend as Italy right now. Yeah. Like, it's the same trend, so we're heading towards that. And with the amount of cases, too, like, just the, the way it it's folding out. Which is not good. Well, here's a scary thing. Uh, we were trying to get some supplies and I was uh, trying to order, um, let's see, like wipes and detergents and that sort of stuff for, for work. And um, the the wipes were on back order. But here's the crazy one. I asked about hand sanitizer, and he, he didn't laugh or anything, but he might as well have because he's like, you know, it's it's so far back ordered. There's like 167,000 pieces would be ahead of like anything I could order for you right now. Yeah, we, wow. we, tr- we, we tried – everything for hand sanitizer barb's just gonna make our own well yeah i that's you're better off at this point you know it's just get some alcohol and some aloe and yeah. probably something to turn it into gel and you're good to go right because uh we 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 tried online and we got the places that we did get online and they said you know as soon as a couple days later they said oh your your, your order's canceled right mm. My brother went to China to get some, <laughs> but, 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 but if they, but if they, if they prevent the cargo from coming into China, geez, I wonder why that would be. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> talk, <laughs> talk about going down into Hades to to find fire, you know. <laughs> well, they're on the uptick. They're they just they closed one of their uh, facilities that was where they had people in isolation. Right. So they're 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 having a a down like they're getting over it. Yeah. I can't believe some places like Amazon have it quick shipping yet. You know, not that I want them to. I want them to keep. No. But it's crazy. I'm I'm surprised. You know, we can still do orders and stuff still going out. Yeah. Uh, Amazon though, my at least the computer programmers, they're they all have to work from home. Right. So that just affects a lot. I mean. It, when you think about things that you're, that affects transportation, I mean, it affects everything. I the don't think we've thing... ever seen this. They already said the plane situation is worse than when we hit 9-11. Well, that's what I was going to say. The only thing I can compare this to in my lifetime that I can remember is 9-11, when everything was kind of shut down while we tried to figure out what was going on and what to do next. Yeah. And this is the only thing I can think of like that. And yeah, in our our lifetimes, anyway. Yep. Yeah, I re- I remember I worked for a senator during nine eleven, and like we went home that day, and we didn't know when we were coming back, you know. And wow. uh, we we were I can't remember how many days we were gone before they thought it was safe to bring us back. And then of course I was in the mailroom during the anthrax scare, so I used to have to like like suit up anytime I opened any mail. So yeah, that was where I, where I worked. Not we, fun times. We, we had to deal with that too. And I yeah. couldn't even go to my work location for two weeks. Right. So it was very strange. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very sc- strange it's scary. Time. It's really scary because we read this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of post-apocalyptic type comics you read all the time. <laughs> Yeah, let's just read an Oblivion song two minutes ago. Yeah, and uh, I just started watching on uh, Netflix V Wars, and that's uh, that's about a a virus that breaks out, a prehistoric virus. So yeah, this this is a little bit too much like all those all those stories that we've read. Yeah. Yeah, what's the, what's the one where uh, Gwyneth Paltrow shakes the hand of the guy who's just finished like butchering the pig, and that starts everything? Which one was that? Oh, I don't remember. Shallow don't how? Shallow how? <laughs> Jack Black was the pig, or what? He was the butchered yeah. pig. I guess. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that that movie? Oh, no. It was something else. It was one of those virus movies, though. It was a good one. I can't remember yeah. now. <laughs> My favorite uh-huh. is Outbreak because it starts out of that movie theater with Patrick Dempsey like, Kah! and then you just see all the spray just go out throughout the whole theater. Mm. Just oh. crazy. Just yeah. crazy. Well, you know what? I was concerned. I'm, of course, I'm concerned that, you know, DCBS is going to s- stop shipping regularly. <laughs> well, what? for us, that is a big concern. It is a big concern. I hope everything's okay. For me, I don't care. I have enough comics to last me until the apocalypse, man. Right? <laughs> I've already said, if anybody is going to get sick in the family, I want it to be me. I'm staying in the basement. I have a bed, a treadmill. I've got, like, <laughs> I've got like case upon bookcase of, like, essentials and showcases I need to get to. I'll be yeah. fine. Yeah, just read. As long as you I'm have usually... enough to survive. 
I'm usually so the last I, one to get sick, but I'm the one that's the sick the longest. <laughs> my uh, my OCD is just thinking, oh my god, if if they don't ship, and then I end up getting a ton of stuff at once, how am I going to read it all? No, I've had that happen. You you need you need to get over that, man. You, I could just <laughs> I could just see you getting anxiety. I would get anxiety. That. No, yeah, don't relax. It'll be there. You'll catch up. And you up. won't be able to get meds for your anxiety because they're made in China. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I do the same thing. I get like if I see the pile get too big, I go like, uh. I get itchy. I start, yeah, and then I and then I'll like I'm not going to read these for a while, and then I'll file them, and then I never get them read. Oh, so yeah, God. I do the same thing. I get very antsy if there's too many piled up. Yeah, I I don't. I'm glad I don't have that problem. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's a good thing. I don't recommend it. I already know that this shipment's going out late. Cause yeah, why? Well, they, could, they, they could be affected by it. They might have employees that got infected. They had to send home. I Who knows? Yeah, that's true. They can't put together the boxes. I know my box went out today. I mean, it just my... went to, to today, which is... Me too, just a few hours ago. Two, two days late then. Yep. Whereas another week ago, I had it in record time. I couldn't believe it. It was like I was next door. I yeah, like, wow. I get. I often get it. Get the shipment today. It just. It just was. Was it just left a few hours ago this time? Well, they were talking on one of the reports I saw where they were speculating how long the virus could live on different services, and one of them was cardboard boxes. And yeah. I was thinking. You know what? Maybe if I order anything, I need to let that box sit for a little while <laughs> before I dig or in. Or spray it or do something. Yeah, get some Lysol. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it, it, plastic surfaces, cardboard surfaces, I mean, it, this, this virus is a bitch. It lasts yeah, a Yeah, I while. thought it was like eight days or something, right? Yeah. Depending on the surface. Mm-hmm. But who knows? You can just go get your mail. If somebody yeah. at the post office has it. So as soon as I get my mail, I come in and wash my hands. That's the first thing you I wash, do. Wash your mail, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't I can't pay this bill or whatever. It's all wet. <laughs> all right. MyComicShop.com my uh, monthly delivery, which shipped on Wednesday. I'm supposed to get it tomorrow, so fingers crossed. Yeah. So I might get my new books this week. I might not. Well, my new slash old. I do, I do the combo packing. Yeah. Piggyback. Yep. Oh, man. All right. Uh, well, this is the DC Everything Else podcast, and we're here with the coronavirus special. What? No, 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 no. We're not here with the coronavirus. We're all home. <laughs> you know, you know what's rough too is this is allergy season. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. My allergies have already been bad for like the last two weeks with itchy, watery eyes and Sa- extra same, snot. Same thing here. Like, the only thing is, when I get my allergies, you know what I do? I cough. Oh, I well, sneeze like crazy. Yeah, and if somebody's coughing right now, you're getting like the sign of the cross. Did, so did yeah. You, did you hear about the airplane? No. An airplane last last night had to land uh, unscheduled because somebody was sneezing, and the rest of the passengers got so disruptive they had a they had a uh, they had to land the plane. Oh my wow. gosh! Yeah, people are going insane. 
Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Hmm. I'm hoping that it max two weeks, like where where it just declines. I, I, know I, I think that this is going to go through at the beginning of May at least. I think so too. If it does, that's going to really start putting some summer conventions on high alert because they will yep. not. They'll have trouble getting guests and attendees. Yeah, Heroes oh. Con could be a disaster. They, um, our governor uh, announced no uh, gatherings that are larger than 500, and if the venue is 500 or less in the first place, it can only be filled at half capacity. Wow. Yeah. This will be the first con I've missed to, like, I think, man, since since I started going to cons. Mm. I haven't missed yeah, I the Heroes. Since like I started going to Heroes as a kid in the 80s, and I, the only one I've missed in that streak was when my firstborn son was born. He was born like the day we would be leaving to go to Charlotte, and so I had to I had to cancel that year. What a uh, jerk! Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my, my wife tried to talk me into going, which is like incredible looking back because now she's like. Why do we have so many comics? Why is this pile here? What are you doing with this? <laughs> but I know. but that, I think at that changed. point in our life, it was, you should go. You shouldn't let your streak in. And I was like, I just had a baby. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, when, when, me and, when me and my wife, wife were just, um, just dating, she's the one that convinced me to buy the X-Men number one. I, I bet you nowadays she's probably like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Oh, <laughs> They change the longer you're married to them. Because as <laughs> as a as my girlfriend, she's the one who got me started buying original art. And now as my wife, she's like, "Really? Did yeah. you really need another drawing of Sergeant Rock?" Mm-hmm. At least you know you, we need a new air conditioner. At least Kirk's covered because he's got a lot of duplicates, so he could use his toilet paper if he needs to. <laughs> I am, I am could, sad if I he, if he it comes take, down to that. He, look look for the worst copy and then that use that. I, I swear, Kirk also sat on the horseshoe some point in his life, too, because I have never seen somebody win so many free pieces of art in my entire life. <laughs> but that's because he's like on Twitter, retweet this, redo this. Well, you got to be in it to win it, as the kids say. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. Those, those 45-year-old kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you want to get this started? Yeah, let's get this started. I, th- I think, uh, Rob, you're the one who has to get out of here first, so you want to go first? I, I can I can do one, sure. Um, so, uh, the, the I actually read two, but if we don't get to both, that, that's fine. I'm going to cover the one that I really liked um, first, and, and I've read it many times. So <clears> what does <throat> that mean, the other one you really didn't like? It was. It was not. It was. It wasn't great. I'm gonna. Well, well, can you at least tell me what it is? Which one? The one they didn't like. You didn't like. Gamma Rodders number one. What? Oh, is that one of the TSR books? Uh huh. Okay. I'm not aware of this. Is this a a DC? uh, Yeah, this was like the 80s. TSR. Yeah. I I know. I know they had like. Dungeons and Dragons and a couple yep. others, but I don't remember that one. This is a short-lived series from 1988. I'm not sure how long it went. Maybe 13, 14 issues. I remember it had a really manga-looking cover. It, it, it's it 
it, it threw you right into the action, and then and then it went did the flashback to see how you got there. It, it's just so insane that I, I don't know. I, I really, I just, I couldn't really get into it. I can talk more about it if we've got time, but <clears throat> the one that I'm going to cover right now is um, Sandman number eight. Has everyone read this? Is that the first appearance of death? Correct. This is an issue I, that I absolutely love. Um, just, I, I, I really think that just as a single store, I mean, I, I guess you kind of need to know, have some sort of context, but I, I just find this to be just a, an amazing, amazing story. Um, as so a this whole was, or, or the, as an issue? As, the, as just this issue. Okay. Um, it's called The Sound of Her Wings by Neil Gaiman, um, Mike uh, Dringenberg, and Malcolm Jones III. Um, it starts out, this was after the, in the initial first seven issues, uh, Dream had been, uh, had been captured and had, uh, for, for several years, and had gotten out and went to reclaim his, like, kind of items of, of power. And um, some were easier to obtain than others, but there were three um, things that, like, kind of represented him that he had to go and get back. And so this is after, this is directly afterwards. Um, so it starts at him just in, uh, in a park, just feeding the pigeons. And uh, there's soccer players just kicking soccer ball around. And his older sister, Death, um, comes to uh, talk to him, just ask how he's doing. Who's that in the background? It's really loud. It's not me. I'm on mute. I don't know. I don't know if it's Kirk or Joe. But, um, so anyhow, uh, they, uh, they, they get to talking, and they're just, they're just really just chatting, and Finally, he, he, she asks what, what the matter is, and he basically goes into the fact that when he was captured, he kind of, when he got out, he kind of thought that getting revenge for being captured, he'd have, um, he kind of ha- would have satisfaction from... Somebody pulling tape back or something? I'm sitting on the sofa. I don't know what... I'm not hearing anything, so I don't get, know what I'm it is. I'm getting like a weird. Yeah, it's really loud. Yeah, it's on now. I don't know. I haven't said a word, and I hadn't moved. So. <laughs> 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 well, um, were, were you guys you, hearing Rob? it? Was it just me and Mike hearing it, or no, did you guys it, hear it? No, I could hear it too. Okay. Maybe oh, somebody... I'm half deaf, so I don't. Maybe somebody <laughs> else is on. No. <laughs> Maybe. Man, you talk too much about that virus. Now you got people listening in on us. Oh, uh-huh. CDC is listening in. <laughs> so, did, did I call everybody on my Skype connections? <laughs> Better check. Um, so, you know, he he starts talking about that, and he basically he say he doesn't really feel like he's he doesn't know what his purpose is. And he, he's he's accomplished what he wanted to accomplish after dreaming about this revenge for all of those years. And now that that's over, he, he just doesn't feel anything, and he's not quite sure what he's supposed to be doing. And so Death starts berating him, you know, calling him, uh, you know, all sorts of names. And uh, 
And so she says, well, listen, I, I, I got to go. I, I got some, I've got work to do. You can come with me if you want. Um, so he says, sure, I will. And uh, this one of the soccer players approaches Steph just before they're about to leave and starts hitting on her and says, you know, uh, you know could I see you again sometime? And she, he, she says, sure, Franklin, you'll see me again soon. And then they disappear. And he's like, oh, how did she know my name? <laughs> right? And so now she starts making her rounds. And her first, her first round is to um, this older um, Jewish man playing the violin in New York City. And they have a, a short discussion. And, and she, she kind of says, like, do you know who I am? And, she's, and he's like, no, you're all. And then he realizes and says, not yet. And he says, yes, I know who you are. And then he passes away. And then you can actually see him his spirit standing next to death and he's just commenting on his, on his, the shell of his body. And they continue to go from place to place. They go to a stand-up comedian who actually uh, touches a, a, a defective microphone on stage and, and, and gets shocked to death. Um, they talk a little, uh, the one that's really touching. And uh, again, I don't know if you guys have, have read this story or if you remember it, but, there's one scene where um, a mother is just like kind of like uh, talking to her infant uh, child and saying, you know, I'll be right back. And as soon as she leaves the room, you know, death comes and picks up the baby and the baby's like, was that all there was? Is that all I get? And she says, yes, I'm afraid so. And then you see the mother come back and, you know, realizes that the baby is dead and just collapses on the ground. It's heartbreaking. Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah, I I, rem- I remember that part of the story. It's been so many years, but yeah, that really stuck with me. Yeah, it's actually it's it, it's it's getting me right right now as I'm looking at it. Um, but anyhow, so she goes, you know, from person to person to person, and they she finally finishes her work. They go back to this park, and um, Dream kind of says, you know what, you've actually given me a, a lot to think about. Um, you going through and, and talking to these people and doing your, you know, taking care of your responsibility. He's like, I have my own responsibilities now. And I, I understand that that's what my focus is. I have to go back to my kingdom and restore it, create more and so on and so forth. He feels very much renewed by accompanying his sister in, in her rounds. And uh, that soccer player, Franklin, Go misses the soccer ball and runs out to grab it and gets hit by a car and uh, jumps and he thinks he's jumping up, but it's just his spirit. And he's, he says, wow, when that, when that car came out, out from nowhere, I thought I was gone for sure. And Death's standing there and she goes, that's what you thought, huh? And, uh, and so, you know, obviously then she says, you know what, I, th- I think before we say anything else, I got to come, you got to, sh- I got to show you something and starts walking him towards uh this the accident scene um so it was that was that was kind of humorous but uh did you pick this end. because of the coronavirus no <laughs> no i had this in mind <laughs> the last time I'm, i think i just find it for whatever reason even though it's a it's kind of a you know obviously it's a it's it's a darker i mean it's death it's a dark tale but she's not a dark character and I really find the story beautiful. And I don't know if, if you guys are familiar at all. Uh, Kirk, you seem to know 
a little bit about everything, but I, I, I'm not sure if you if you're familiar with the fact that the character of Death, at least how she looked, was based on a real person. Uh, you guys fam- familiar with this? It was Tori Amos, right? No. Um, no, there was a woman named Cinnamon Hadley. She just died two years ago of um, after a long battle with cancer. Um, she, uh, I'll just read this little part. This is from Neil Gaiman. Death is the only major character whose visuals didn't spring from me. That credit goes to Mike Dridgenberg. In my original Sandman outline, I suggested Death look like rock star Nico in 1968. But Mike Dridgenberg had his own ideas, so he sent me a drawing based on a woman he knew named Cinnamon Hadley, the drawing that was later printed in Sandman 11. And I looked at it and had the immediate reaction of, wow, that's really cool. So I'm going to um, just uh, take a screenshot of this. I'll, I'll send it in our group chat. It, it's amazing. It, like, it's obviously her. And uh, I remember what? when she died a couple of years ago because it was in the news. That wasn't uh, like, like Constantine based on Sting, too, or something like that? For what? Yeah. From Swamp Thing, yeah. Yeah, Constantine. Oh, yeah, that could be. Yeah. yeah. So I just sent you just the, the picture, the side-by-side of the of the drawing and the actual woman. Um, well, now, was she a celebrity, or was she somebody that Mike Drenzenberg just knew? Just, or? just knew. She was kind of like a, a you know local person that she knew, like uh, or that he knew, like a punk-type um, um, person that was just... Uh, somehow he... I don't know if he was... Uh, friends with her or, or, or whatever, but somehow just knew her uh, personally. Yeah, and just a, thought that it was perfect. Was yeah, perfect that's a great likeness. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So she looks she looks more goth to me than punk. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry. That's what I should have said. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It it. I don't know. It, it, that that issue always always really gets to me and. It's it's one of my favorites. Uh, I, I I could read it over and over. But so that's that's mine. Very cool. I haven't read that since it came out. <laughs> it's one. I didn't start collecting Sandman until issue fifty. Yeah. Um. And I bought trades to to you know get the whole run. That's the only single issue that I en- ended up going back to get. When I when I when I was younger, I didn't get into it. I was giving it to Barb. I think I was in college, and I was giving it to Barb to read, and she was reading it. But it was kind of weird. And uh, it was weird, but it's because I remember real. Barb really liking Wasteland, that comic mm-hmm. book by oh, John Astrander yeah. and Del Close. And Del Close was always on drugs when he wrote it. He even said he was. <laughs> whatever his name Wait, was Wasteland was very weird but I liked yeah. that one <laughs> it was weird so Barb liked that one but she couldn't get into Sandman and I I, I guess when I when Death appeared though I I don't know I've always like thought she was cool in other words she, she was I, cool. I, th- I thought I thought that was the best part of Sandman to me she was the one that and you know it. I mean, it's done on purpose because she's death. But yet, despite the fact that she's death, she's the one that you, as the reader, can identify the most with. She, she's she's the most 
normal in terms of being a down-to-earth type character. Yeah. Mm. Like, all the rest of them are kind of, like, more reserved, more harder to relate to, but she was, she was just, like, she was always depicted as, like, just, you know, kind of normal person, normal type of person, but obviously as the personification of death. So, interesting. Well, I can go next. Sure. Um, I'm going to play, guess, guess what I'm going to talk about. It was based on a sitcom in the 70s. Welcome back, Carter. Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> you you took the words out of my mouth. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Gabe Kaplan, John Travolta. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I went into one of my boxes. I just recently completed Welcome Back, Carter. And I decided to start at the, the beginning with number one. And uh, it was just like the series <laughs> that I remember. I used to love to watch the sitcom my favorite, my favorite character was probably Horshack and Barbarino. I like. Yeah, I like Horshack the best. Yeah, Vinny <laughs> Barbarino. He always had the girl. <laughs> he looked the coolest. Horshack <laughs> was the one you can kind of relate to, and the he's the <laughs> scrawny, whiny one. Washington was the the cool one, and Epstein was, I don't know. He looked like the more troublemaker, thief. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but. <laughs> They were in a poor side of town, uh, the Sweat Hogs, and uh, I, I think I think the way it opened up in the TV show is that he got a job in this this area, and he wasn't too crazy about it. Well, that's how this this uh, comic sort of opens up. It's by uh, Elliot S. Megan Megan and uh, Jack Sparling. So and Bob Oskner are the artists with Joe Orlando editing and it was the art did look like it did capture the essence of the characters like when there wasn't any photoshop back then you you you'd be like wow they got the likenesses pretty damn pretty damn close <laughs> but uh the scene opens up with uh they're at their apartment complex and they're next to a building that's being destroyed. Like, but the it's causing their current apartment's roof to collapse. So he's in there with his wife, and he's like, "What the hell's going on? You know, the whole roof's co- collapsing." And then the so he calls the repairman, and they sort of like just grab some wood and start repairing the roof. And they're drunk, by the way, so they're. They don't care what's going on. They're just fixing it. But uh, he goes down to get his mail. He gets a mail uh, that says he he applied for another job and he can go be a teacher in the richer part of the town. So he's like ecstatic. Like he's like, I could get out of this this apartment that's falling apart into a better area, into a better teaching position. And then it's about the sweat hogs finding out. They they actually think he's sick. But 
they don't know what's going on. So they're, they're, they're like, he's sick, let's not give him crap. And they start acting good. And they find out what really is happening. And they, uh, they try to uh, do everything in their power to keep him at the school. Uh, because they don't want to have to break in another teacher. Because <laughs> they, they think that they have Cutter exactly the way they want him. They can goof around, do whatever they want. And they don't want to have to break in another teacher. So uh, they kind of get with his wife, the Sweat Hogs, and sort of... Uh, she she doesn't know exactly what's going on, but they try to set him up with his old teacher. And you find out that Cotter was a prankster just like the Sweat Hogs. He was and, a Sweat Hog when he was uh, a kid. Oh, was he? Uh-huh. So he was just as bad as these guys. I think, I think he so. was like one of the original sweat hogs. Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't know that, but they implied that in the comic book. <laughs> and he was awful, just like the sweat hogs. <laughs> so, so he went to hang out with his teacher, and his teacher sort of forgave him. And then he ends up ripping up the letter and uh, saying, you know, I'm going to teach here uh, because he realizes that he was a sweat hog and these were sweat hogs and that's where he belongs. And there's a weird scene where, I don't know where Vinny Barbarito seems like he's in the closet <laughs> of the apartment, and he's making out with his girlfriend. And I forgot about it, that girl, Ros- Rosalie, but she was, oh, a reg- yeah. she was a regular on the show. I remembered her name as soon as, as, soon as I read the comic book. Yeah. Yeah, so this was, this was pretty cool. So I own the entire series. There is a Treasury edition that I don't own. But uh, it's something to to look for, for sure. And then there was there was some cool back to school ads as far as ordering DC supplies and stamp stamp albums. And then they had an ad for those big as life hang ups that you could hang on your door. I I had one, but I didn't have a superhero one when I was a kid. I had Frankenstein monster, and I had it hanging off the back of my door. <laughs> and then it's got CBS Saturday. And the interesting thing about this is uh, it was Tweety and Sylvester, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner Hour. I think that's when I started watching it. Um, and then it had the Tarzan Lord of the Jungle cartoon. And I just bought the series. So that's really cool. <laughs> and then the Shazam Isis Power Hour. It had Arc 2. I don't remember that at all. I don't. Do you guys remember that cartoon? What was it? Arc 2. Arc? No. I think, that, no. I think that may have been one of those live action ones. Because I, I think I remember uh, seeing something about that one. I never, I never saw it, but I think I remember seeing like stills or something from it. This one looks animated, but it could be real. It said the year is like 2500 AD, and life on Earth is almost destroyed. Young scientist in a futuristic mobile ark. It looks like a uh, Wannabego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think it actually was because if I remember it right, that was one of those like in the era when they were doing stuff like Land of the Lost, and so yeah, I think it was one of those live action uh, TV shows. Be really curious to see if I could go on YouTube and get a clip of it. 
it is the one there's like a chimpanzee and yeah it is live action yeah it is a chimpanzee i see him in the the cartoon i never heard of that i never watched it i did i didn't watch many of the live actions i I stuck to the cartoons except for isis because she was hot and jason of star command i didn't watch shazam much but isis isis i watched (laughs) oh i did watch her was well, Mike, hot? you can get wait, the complete wait. I, I have a question for you. Was she hot or was she cute? Oh, she oh, was she both. Was, she was hot. She may have even been what I would call a stone cold fox. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> and then they had Clue Club. I remember that one with the two dogs, and they were. It, it took. It took me so long to find that one on TV that I thought I had made it up. Clue Club. Uh, yeah, because I'm. I was always asking people, "What was the show with the the dogs with the Sherlock Holmes hat?" And nobody knew what I was talking about, so yeah. I thought I made it up. But yeah, I, I did watch that one. Yeah, and that was then a good it one. had Fat Albert and Way Out Games, which I don't know. It's probably like a Nickelodeon type live action. Show. Oh, they do have live. They do have the little live icon on Arc Two. I didn't notice it. And then the CBS Children's Film Festival. So you could like watch cartoons from 8 Eastern all the way to 1. I mean, not cartoons, but kids' shows. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. I used to love it. I used to watch the bars on the screen. We always used to have the early shows that were the local stations would run in to be like... um. Tennessee Tuxedo or that's uh, ex- Woody Woodpecker. That is oh, ex- yeah. Private Eye. That's exactly what I remember being the first show was uh, was the one you mentioned first. Tennessee Tuxedo. Yeah. Tennessee yeah, Chumley Tuxedo. in, in uh, Tennessee, yep. I remember that one in like Bullwinkle, even though that was yep. a pro- started off as a prime time, but it would come in early, early. Yeah, that was like our 6.30 TV show was uh, like Bullwinkle or Tennessee Tuxedo. Yeah. You know, just something old. Oh, yeah, like Dudley Do-Right, too. Yep. Yeah, I remember those. It's good times. I'd get up so early that when the cartoons came on that I really wanted to see, I would be almost sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, who's next? I can go. All right, so uh, I ended up picking a Charlton book again. Um, this is uh, Yang Number 2. This is one that uh, Kirk, I think, had mentioned on uh, Twitter, and I ended up picking up a few issues when they had them uh, on sale on mycomicshop.com. And this one's from May 1974. It's Joe Gill, and uh, the artist is Warren Sattler. So um, this was kind of handy. It opened with a three-page recap, even though it's issue two. Maybe the you know the assumption back in the newsstand days is maybe you didn't get issue one. So the recap is Chung Hui, as uh, Alexa told me it was pronounced. I wasn't sure, so I asked her last night when I was writing up notes. Uh, who will soon be renamed Yang is born the son of a Mandarin, and uh, his dad teaches him the legend of the Yin Yang, and Yin is darkness and Yang is light. So his father gets killed by this uh, slaver, uh, Chao Ku, and his daughter happens to just be named Yin. So Yin Li captures Yang, and they put him on a ship bound for San Francisco. 
And uh, on the way there, Yang escapes, and that's where the story actually starts. So that's all background leading up to chapter one, Death in the Desert. So there's an American on horseback. He finds Yang in the desert, and he rides up to him and says, They'll pay a thousand bucks for him, dead or alive. He's going to be dead. So Yang <laughs> flips the cowboy off the horse, breaks the cowboy's arm, and takes his gun and the horse. Luckily, Yang had spent a lot of summers riding with the Mongols in the hills, so he happened to have good horse skills. So there's this financier, J.L. Hartley, and he's, you know, one of those evil kind of guys like from Blazing Saddles or something. He's uh, been hiring Ch- uh, Chow Ku to bring laborers from China to work on the railroad. So um, they're being kept kind of almost like in prison-like conditions, and Yang sees where his countrymen are being kept, and he's going to bust them out. So he goes up and karate chops the lock on the uh, storehouse and steals a bunch of dynamite. And the first thing he does, he places it under Hartley's railroad car, Kaboom! Then he blows up the engine and the tool shed as well. So out of nowhere, you know, all these gunfighters start coming out and uh, they want to stop him. And he thinks, I had the gun, but it is not as deadly as the weapon I was born with. So I don't know the proper uh, martial arts term, but so I'm going to call these drop kicks because they look like drop kicks. So a flying drop kick, smack. Then another flying drop kick, yow, crack. And then Yang goes to where his countrymen are. And they're locked up in this barbed wire, and he breaks the lock with his bare hands. And the men are freed, and Yang throws the remaining dynamite at his pursuers. So as they're leaving, Yang is warned that Yin is uh, capturing uh, some of the stragglers. Yin Li, face of an angel whose heart is full of evil. Yang mounts a horse. He sees Yin, and they draw across from each other, and in a full head of steam, the two horses collide. Yang's horse goes down, and Yin captures him, and she takes him as a prisoner, and they end up in a cave, which is Chapter 2, Die for Freedom. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yang is uh, chained up, and he's surrounded by Yin Li and her men, and uh, Yin has got a dagger she's raising up to kill Yang, but just as she's about to stab him, he puts his uh, bonds in the way, and she slices through his bonds with the dagger, and so now he's free, and he grabs her, and they escape. Kill me, Yang. Destroy all the evil that is within me. <laughs> Just as the symbol of yin and yang, there is goodness in all evil things. Oh, Yang, if only we were not enemies. But we are, and I will not be victim of your wicked beauty. Yang, where are you going? To free my people. And so more drop kicks. He's like drop kicking everybody and he goes out and he beats up all these tong killers that had been surrounding him and trying to capture him. So we're back to Hartley. And uh, he's been trying to capture Yang as well, so he's hired his own killers, and he's given them an offer of $1,000 apiece, or $5,000 if they actually kill Yang. He ain't never gonna see the sun go down, Mr. Hartley. We gonna run him down, and I aim to be the one to get that extra $5,000. <laughs> so Yang, who conveniently finds a horse who just happens to have a scimitar on its side, heads towards Hartley. He makes short work as the killer as he begins to hack his way through the men to get to Hartley. And back on the train, Chao Ku confides to Hartley that Yang's love of Li will be Yang's downfall. So Yang boards the train, and he does this by going on a cliff, and he jumps off the top of a cliff after chasing up there with a horse, lands on the top of a train, dodges a bunch of bullets, then kicks out a window, lands in the criminal's private car, and kicks Hartley in the head. So all this is done in one big fell swoop. And as he's about to chop Ku, he pleads, No, Yang! One blow for your hand would mean death. I hold hundreds of slaves in San Francisco. I will release them if you will give me freedom. 
And as he's giving his spiel, a man sneaks up behind Yang and hits him in the head with the butt of a gun. Pull it a bullet, put a bullet in his head. Click. No, father. Lee argues that killing Yang would only make him a martyr to the uh, enslaved uh, China uh, Chinese uh, laborers. So Hartley says, well, but keeping him alive would be too dangerous. So they're going back and forth. Should they kill him? Should they not? Should they kill him? And of course, while they're doing this, Yang escapes and jumps uh, out of the speeding train. And we close with Lee thinking, goodbye, Yang. If it had been different, we might have been happy. What lies ahead for Yang? The end. And that was Yang number two. Did you read Yang number one or did you start there? I started there, but like I say, the prologue pretty much set it up well enough. I mean, it was three pages. I haven't seen that big of a recap uh, and I don't know when. So it covered everything that was in the first issue. Well, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it's it's crazy how much goes on in it. You know, it's very back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. But uh, yeah, it was it was good stuff. Nice. While while you were doing that, I was looking up something because I was just really curious. Uh, I was looking up Master of Kung Fu Yang and Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter, and just to see what came out first. Sure. And Yang came out first <laughs> by one oh. month. So I, I just find that fascinating. It was Yang, Shang-Chi, and then Richard Dragon. I would not have expected Charlton to be the leader on that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's amazing. It could have been closer. It could be the way it was dated. But, I, you know, it doesn't necessarily say when it was really out. But uh, I, 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 I thought that would be shocking. I thought Charlton would fall follow master of kung fu do you know what year kung fu came out david carradine early 70s is all i know i just wondering if that predated these things or did the did well, they i'm like... sure they had they had enter the dragon with bruce lee and kung fu as the kids say everybody was kung fu fighting that's <laughs> right it, it even spread to the comic books well, if I remember it right, wasn't um, that was actually a pitch by Bruce Lee uh, before yeah. uh, they they even uh, casted Carradine? That came out in seventy two. Well, he, by the he, way, he he was supposed to be in it. Okay. And then they there's an awesome Bruce Lee movie with Jason Lee, I think it is, that came out yeah. in the eighties. Like Dragon. Dragon. Yeah, yeah Dragon. Yeah, it, it, it describes his life. And then his death, even because he died mysteriously, just like uh, his son Brandon Lee yeah. and the Crow. Right. Nope. So uh, I remember seeing the Crow, and I was like, he had died before I saw it, because before it was released. But man, I love the Crow. I love it. I love that movie to this day. I, I think it's amazing. Fired up! Fired up! Fired up! Yeah, that first I haven't one's seen great. that in a long time, but I, I loved it. Back, well, it was amazing jump. how much it captured the comic book, because a lot of the comic book movies at that point, you know, they were like, we're going to ditch everything about the comic except the name, you know, because yeah. who would have ever thought, you know, Michael Keaton would be your Batman Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But uh, this one, they went for somebody who looked like the character and acted like the character and was faithful to the comic and. It was mind-blowing at the time, for me, anyway, as a comic book nerd. And the soundtrack is awesome. 
Oh yeah, that that cover Nine Inch Nails did of Joy Division is amazing. It's amazing, yeah. I still have that CD. I had to pull it out and put it in my sure. car and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's interesting. Sure. So yeah, this came out two two years after the show. The show was seventy two. So yeah. No good ads this to go around though, but you know what, Charlton half the time they're not very good ads in there, you know. They were usually like send for a dog tag or <laughs> <laughs> or you know like a David Cassidy poster or something. Yeah, like they that. they did have yeah. posters that that we bought for Barb. Hi Barb. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, Kirk, you're up. Well, I think everybody who knows me would know this was coming. For my my choice is Atari Force Number One. Oh, good. <laughs> it is cover dated January 1984. the The cover is just Jose Luis Garcia Lopez perfection. It features all the main characters with a shadowy figure of the bad guy in the background, and the main characters were used on a promo poster by Garcia Lopez. And it was just a black background. So I wonder if this bad guy image was added later or if they had it the whole time and they just doctored the image to make it different for the first issue cover versus the promotional poster. But I I actually like it better on the black background, but the shadowy figure in the background really does add something to it. And it says, introducing the strangest SF heroes of all which this issue to me is a perfect first issue because it introduces all our main characters and it introduces them in a way where you get some idea of what these characters do, what they're like, where they go, things like that, where they're from. And it's just, to me, it's comic book perfection. And you flip there, it open and the there first is a, thing you see, what, what's that? There is a reference, too, to the old Atari Force, right? Like the what came before? There is, when they reference the only character of the main group that does not appear in the issue is Martin Champion, and he yeah. was a part of the original, the original Atari, Atari Force, Force that came the with mini the comics video, that the came with the games. Game. Yeah. But they, they explain his connection to this team, but it opens up with a page, uh, an inside cover ad for Masters of the Universe model kits from Monogram, and I was not a model kit person, but old man Spencer looks at this and misses being a kid and playing with his He-Man toys, the innocence of youth instead of worrying about coronavirus killing us all. <laughs> anyway, the the story opens up. It is Atari Force Fresh Blood Part 1. And it opens up with uh, a dude sleeping off a drunk outside of a bar, and you can hear sounds of a fight inside. And suddenly people come flying through the window because they've been tossed through there. And the drunk looks up, peeks in the window, and goes back to drinking. Then the reader is introduced to what's going on, and there's just bodies in motion, which Garcia Lopez excels at. Everybody's in a different pose, doing something different, and it's just a dynamic action shot. It's a double-page spread, and it's just beautiful. So if anybody has this page, please let me know and let me have it. I appreciate it, and I'll be your best friend. Mm -hmm. But uh, Dart says, you should have paid our fee, General Kai. Turning against us this way is going to cost you a premium penalty as Dart and Blackjack are basically whooping an entire army's butt. And 
General Kai is making excuses and telling them, you know, we don't need you. I've got the army. And Blackjack points out that you hired us because your army sucks. And that's why we're kicking their butt. And they're getting towards the general. They're almost done with the entire army. And Dart gets a vision. She sees reinforcements coming. And Dart says, we got to go, lover, which always struck me as odd because I had never seen comic characters refer to each other as lover. I thought that was very mature in the way that Jerry Conway sets up the relationship of these characters. And I can remember thinking that as a kid, like lover, that's what is that? That's not like, Hey honey or whatever. That's, that's different. I I still think that when I run into those in the old DC books, I swear, um, maybe it's Legion of superheroes. Everybody calls everybody that. And it just, it always, it's, it throws me to this day. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't read much Legion. I, I picked up the one with Amethyst, and that's probably the only one I bought new at the time. But so, so seeing Dart and Blackjack call each other lover really stood out. Right. And she says, "It's time for a change of scene, lover." And they they tear out before the reinforcements come. But the reinforcements start firing at them as they see them running down the hallway, and they they think they're going to duck out the back entrance, and suddenly. There's no back entrance. So Dart tells Blackjack to buy her some time, and she blows a hole in the wall, throws Blackjack out the wall, and hears him start screaming, and she jumps out behind him going, I didn't throw you that hard. And suddenly they realize there's no back entrance because this castle is on a cliff. And so they're falling down the cliff, and Dart manages to throw up a, I don't know what it is, some kind of, looks like a a James Bond device that she throws up and it catches and saves them. And they hang there for a while until the troops leave. Well, general Kai cuts out to go report to a dark shadowy figure, the same mysterious figure we see in the background of the cover and says that Dart and blackjack have defeated his army and escaped. And this figure says, I'm tired of your excuses. This wouldn't have happened. If you'd just paid them, you decided to get cheap you were supposed to pay them. Now they're suspicious of things. And he tosses him into the river. And as we learn, the river is a river of acid. So General Kai, as it says, as you see the Garcia Lopez bubbles and the skin cooking off his skeleton, saying he lasts approximately 16 seconds, which is really kind of a graphic image, I think, for a cover dated 1984 newsstand book. But it really showcases why I fell in love with Garcia Lopez's art. We cut to the next character and his introduction. There's some sl- a slave ship landing on the planet Egg, where we are introduced to Babe. And he's called Babe because he's nothing but a baby. Mm-hmm. And the slavers lure him onto the ship using candy. And as he is trapped on the ship, he begins to cry. And the slavers point out that his people... This, this creature is massive, but he's just a baby. His people grow to be the size of hills, so they're very useful and very strong. And as, as Babe cries, we cut across the other end of space to the Advanced Technology and Research Institute, which, as we might call it, it's Atari. It's <laughs> a space station floating where Tempest is undergoing some training in an obstacle maze while Dr. Morphia is observing him and watching him use his powers. 
And as he gets cornered in one of the mazes, he uses his phasing powers to phase through this sort of tank-like foe and to escape. So we learn who Tempest is and we learn his powers. And Dr. Morphia is an empath. And when she's told the story by one of the other people observing the training, that Tempest's father is Martin Champion, a member of the original Atari Force team. He blames his son for his wife's death because she died giving birth to him. So he's had basically nothing to do with his son. He's been raised at the Atari Institute on his own, not by his father. And the empath has, has very strong feelings about Tempest and taking care of him. And then we cut across time and space to a character who looks like an overgrown rat. And his name is suitably mm. pack rat. And he's breaking into a building and he's stealing the crown jewels. And when he lifts them up, much like Indiana Jones, he sets off a booby trap. And the alarm starts going out and all these armed guards come charging out. And pack rat tries to quickly escape, but the guards are on him. And they corner him, and suddenly he goes from scared and running to he bears his claws and snarls his teeth, and he attacks. And it turns out that Packrat is a vicious fighter who does not like to be cornered. And he tears through the guards and defeats them all and runs out with the crown jewels to his waiting ship. We cut back to Dart and Blackjack, who have decided it's safe to climb back up into the, the castle where they had been hanging out of the back and decide that their luck has got to turn around. They start drinking a, a bottle of wine and Dart starts undressing, which <laughs> is is also suggestive because I, I was a pretty young, sheltered, naive kid. So seeing a woman talking about, hey, lover, and taking her clothes off was not you what were, I was you, used you, to. In the, you, you were sold right there. You were like, yes, <laughs> I was. A, this is you, why you have, Atari Force is your favorite comic. <laughs> you have Garcia Lopez drawing a woman getting naked, and I'm in. I'm in, buddy. I'll take two. We go back to uh, the, the general's skeleton floating in the river, as Blackjack says, that we're due for a, a bit of good luck, and it ends with a to-be-continued. And in the middle of this book, going back to one of the ads that Mike had, this is an NBC ad for Saturday morning. And it's got Mr. T saying, NBC Saturday morning, we got the jazz. And it's got <laughs> the Flintstone funnies, the shirt tails, Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Mr. T, Amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk, and wrapped up with Thundar the Barbarian, Jack Kirby's own cartoon. I, I, I watched four or five of those but but i always watched amazing spider-man and the hulk for sure and that Thund whole cartoon Th is thunder awesome. yeah and thunder the barbarian those th that's when i switched the channel and just watched what did you say was before um oh mr t i watched that mr. too t. i watched mr t so i don't think i left from mr t forward i didn't like switch it to any other channel those were the station. Because I love Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I, like, watch that I all did, the too. Time. And I watched Mr. T. I watched Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, I want that Hulk. I want that Hulk show on Disney Plus because I was really disappointed because I saw the Hulk cartoon and it was the 90s one. I want the 80s one on Disney Plus. Do you, do you remember before there was a cartoon before Spider-Man and his amazing friends called Meatball and Spaghetti? Do you remember no, that? I do. 
I oh do. my god, my that was a cool cartoon. They were like drug surfer dudes, man. <laughs> and my dad hated it because the guy had long hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were hilarious, though. It was like a really good comedy cartoon. My dad was a Coast Guard officer, and men should have, like, shaved tail hair, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have long hair. <laughs> <laughs> and there you're oh, sitting man. down watching Meatball and Spaghetti. Are you ready for meatball spaghetti? <laughs> I don't remember anything about the show. I think he played guitar in the cartoon. Yeah, and that, they both that's did. like the only detail I remember other than my dad hating it. And he's like, isn't there anything else on? <laughs> <laughs> I love that cartoon. I thought it was hilarious. I did too, but <laughs> it, it, I, miss, had, I would miss had... large chunks of it while my dad complained. They had bo- they they both had long hair. One was kind of blonde and one was like fat. It was kind of like Silent Bob and Jay before they even were Silent Bob and Jay. <laughs> Cuz one was a f- a fat guy with long hair, black hair and a little goatee. So yeah, I remember. Yeah, he looked kind of like Meatloaf with, with even longer yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, Meatloaf, that's right. I don't I, I don't remember the other character other other than there were two. But I I just remember the the guy who looked like Meatloaf, my dad despised. So uh, I, I, now that you were talking about Garcia Lopez, I was gonna say what well, he's one of my favorite Superman artists. So if I had to name like my top three Superman artists, it would be John Byrne, just because I don't know, it just had a huge impression the way. It well, looked. he would be on my list too. Uh, Garcia Lopez, because his art on Superman was just. It was iconic, and not only that, but, like, commercially, it was on everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you bought a sticker, a T-shirt, or whatever, it would have a Garcia Lopez Superman. And then my third one would be Dan Juergens because of all that work. I almost want to say Dan Juergens slash Jerry Ordway. I was going to say Jerry Ordway yeah. in the yeah, top put, three. For for my top three, I'd probably put Ordway above Juergens as an artist. But as a writer, I'd put Jergens on the list. Yeah, but Jerry Ordway wrote a heck of Power of Shazam. It is so good. Yeah, oh yeah, my he's God. great. I want to say Ordway was when I rediscovered uh, Superman because he was the one doing it with uh, with uh, Stern, right? Yeah, he was on yeah. Adventures of Superman. Yeah, th- yeah, that's when I first got back into Superman was was when Ordway was on there. So yeah, I'll always have a big fondness for him because they relaunched. Uh, Burn had action in Superman and Adventures of Superman continued the numbering and uh, it was Jerry Ordway I remember yep you're right but on Atari Force I just want to say Kirk like I mentioned the other day in a post uh, Dart was one of my original comic crushes as well (laughs) well I mean when I'm rereading this and I'm seeing the lover and the undressing and I mean, she's got long hair, even though she keeps it in a ponytail. She ticks all my boxes, so <laughs> it, it's no wonder that I was like, "Hey, this is different." I, I, I really not, like I this. Could, I could not figure out how that babe got blackjack because he wasn't that good looking. <laughs> Chicks dig yes, a bad boy, especially when he had that. Especially when he had like a rubber tube shooting out of his eyeball, right? Yeah. Well, I think they reveal at one point in the series that she shot his eye out. <laughs> yeah, she probably did. Um, my, so, my so who was your favorite the, character in in the group, uh, Kirk? Uh, well, it's not going to be Babe. 
it was the girl that is a babe, I would go with Dart. I would always like Dart and Packrat. Packrat Pac- was, was Pac always Rat the character for- I thought was cool when I was little. Yeah, I was the same way Packrat for me. Yeah. It was Dart and Blackjack for me. Those I, yeah. they went hand in hand. They were they just stole They were the show. they were a team up until yeah. the betrayal. They were my favorite. But yeah, I even like I, I even like the origin and innocence of Babe. It, yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. Well, it's really cool to have a you know the biggest character in the in the group is a is, baby is a baby a child. I mean, not yeah. even a, not even a child. I mean, it's pretty much a baby. As soon as he sits down, he's crying, you know. Yeah. And then the empath ends up adopting him essentially. Well, the story and and uh, idea behind Babe is just so cool. The idea that basically you know they turn into giant mountains as adults, and you know once that happens, they never move again. It's it's just science fiction wise, it's just a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're living mountains basically. They yeah. as they grow, they become become stationary and just settle in as a as a new mountain. But the the design of, of all the characters now, Dart with her leg warmers, that's very very of the time and the and the atari symbol itself you know we all would equate with our youth yep. but otherwise this could be well maybe not the head warmer on tempest but other, otherwise most of the designs <laughs> would hold up today what what drew you to atari force was it the name atari force or was it i'm sure that's why i bought it in the first place because, because did you hey, have an atari. atari did you have an atari when you bought I atari did. force my mother bought me one at the flea market for a steal towards the end of their popularity. Um, her, the, the mother had gone to the flea market and I don't think she had anything but the Atari, but she sold her son's Atari because his grades, he was like failing at school now because he's playing too many video games. So she went out there and sold the, sold the Atari out from under him. Did, and my did, mother bought did, it for me. Did it come with any games, just combat, or did it have other games with it? I don't remember. I remember getting Asteroids. I don't remember if it came with that bundle, but Asteroids uh, was my favorite that I owned. And I had a friend who had a game based on the movie Megaforce. And uh, I loved that game. And whenever he would come over to spend the night, I would like, please bring Megaforce so we can play Megaforce tonight. Mm. My first few games were Outlaw, which was just the gunfighter shooting the other gunfighter, and then uh, Combat because of the tanks. Like it had all these different modes where you could bounce the bullet off of the maze and all kinds of stuff. And then yeah. air sea battle. Uh, well, you can't go wrong with tanks. Well, yeah. when we bought the, when when my parents bought us the the Atari Combat was the one that came with the the system. Yeah, that's the one that came with it. But I, I, I got Air Sea Battle, and I like that one a lot. But the game that I really loved, and it's it's kind of like one-dimensional now, was was Laser Blast from Activision. I love that game, man. It was just like three saucers, and you could shoot a laser down. It was so weird. I don't remember that one, but no, it, when you say Activision, I think of Pitfall. Now that yeah, one, I was terrible Pitfall, at it. I never could get very far, but I loved that game. Yeah, Pitfall was was, and then I had Night Driver, and you're really steering the lines. It's not you're you're not steering the car. The car's right in the middle. You're steering the lines. 
I used to love the boxing game because there was like one sweet spot. If you hit it, you could just go back and forth, back and forth, and pretty much keep going until you knock them out. That was <laughs> that was Activision too. Yep. Yeah, I uh, that was a good. Activision seemed to make the better games. Like they were a little more sophisticated. Yeah, they were good. Yep. All right, Rob, do you you, you want to talk about your last one, or do you well, want to go to know, bed? Uh, I'll just. <laughs> I mean, I, I talked a little uh, about it, but I'll just I'll just say, okay. So, Gamma Rodders number one came out in 1988. Peter B. B. Gillis uh, was is responsible for the story. Martin King pencils. Dave Cooper inks. Not familiar with any of those names. Um, like I said before, it just jumps right in where this this younger uh, guy, I'm not sure how old he's supposed to be, he looks like a kid, um, is being talked to by, a, by an old man, and uh, he's got all this. Basically, the Gamma World um, series is like a post, post-apocalyptic um, type of world where uh, you know there is some sort of disaster, and now people are... Uh, kind of have forgotten what had happened in the past. And this guy's got a lot of old relics and he gives him a, a snow globe of all things and says that this is what he needs in order to, to basically uh, almost be a savior of, of some kind. And then it flashes back to what led up to this. And um, this, this particular kid, he, um, he can, I don't know if it's like a, a psychic type thing or whatever, but he's got some sort of relationship with um, these huge animal. They're animal um, cybernetic creatures, they're, but they're huge, and he they're called bioborgs. And he's um, got um, control of a huge blue kangaroo one, and uh, it flashes back to this big battle that had been going on. And uh, him and this big kangaroo were, were facing off against another um, another person that uh, controls these uh, creatures in a huge huge uh, brown bear. And then there's another uh, there's a woman that he's he's kind of uh, infatuated with named Natasha, and she uh, rides a big uh, triceratops. So uh, the the after the battle's over, they they kind of go back to this uh, the main the main city called Dodge city. And, uh, he's just, he's talking to different people and he's flirting with this Natasha. She doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, they end up getting arrested, uh, because they start fighting, uh, hurt him and Natasha and, and, and another guy. And they, uh, and then, and then that's when, uh, he starts hearing psychically or telepathically that his uh, cell door has been unlocked and he goes to check and it's this old man that, that, you know, you're back now from the beginning of the issue. And again, he gives him this, uh, this snow globe and all of a sudden he starts getting all these like weird images of maybe it's something that's ha- going to happen or the future or whatever. And he just collapses and the snow, um, the snow globe breaks, crashes, breaks. He falls over, and he whispers Rosebud right before he <laughs> passes out. <laughs> I I literally did not. It, it just it just wasn't it, it wasn't that compelling. I I didn't love it. Um, I meant to tell you guys, even by way of this, 
I went to the um, that comic store that was advertising their fifty cent comic books for a quarter each. So I bought like a good. I mean, I think there's like ten Gamma Rotters was like ten issues. I think I bought like a good eight issues. I'm I'm not. I have to say I'm not excited about reading any more of these. <laughs> hey, ship them, ship them my way. I want to read it. Well, I'm gonna read a couple more. We'll see. We'll see first. <laughs> But I didn't know. I, I didn't but, know. I didn't know this thing existed. I really, yeah. did, I really did not know. Uh, frantic but I, I, I just love the description on our database. It says a fun but sometimes incomprehensible series. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Maybe if I get into more of it, it'll be more fun. But right now, it was just the incomprehensible stage. <laughs> I, I've read some of the TSR books, and honestly, the only one I ended up really thinking was worth collecting and falling up on was the ad and d one um, yeah that was was pretty good yeah yeah dragon lance is eh. uh star jammers was kind of eh. but uh the advanced dungeons and dragons is actually pretty solid was this uh was this a popular game gamma, gamma rotters was was like a side game i think more of a board game type based on gamma world which was a role-playing game this was you know, Mike, back in the like mid to late 80s, when TSR not only had Dungeons and Dragons, but they had everything under the sun. They had Star Frontiers for, you know, a, a space adventure. They had Gamma World for Apocalyptic. They had Top Secret for Spies. They had Boot Hill for Westerns. They had everything that you could Marvel think Marvel Superheroes. What's that? Marvel superheroes was Marvel them superheroes. Too. That's right. That's right. That was TSR too. Marvel superheroes. I mean, they had everything back then. That was a big. That was a big to do. But I mean, Gamma World was never one of the more popular ones by any means. It's one of my favorites. But um, some of the other ones that I got though, guys, for a quarter, I almost got the rest of that complete run of the twelve issue Unknown Soldier. That I covered one and two. Um, I think it was last episode. Oh, right. Oh, nice. So I'm only missing. Uh, let's see, seven, eight, and ten at this point. So that's not too bad. Right. I got a bunch of issues of Hex where he goes, you know, into the that's future. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, nice. And then the other ones that I got, um, Mike, you made me do this. Um, <laughs> I got a run of about eight issues in a row of Doctor Fate. The oh, la- nice. later issues. 7 to 35. Yeah. And then I got a Blackhawk and a Sergeant Rock. Nice. nice. All four quarter each. I would have loved nice. to go to that sale because this 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 is the kind of crap I love. <laughs> I mean, get, like, the stuff I don't know about, like Gamma yeah. Riders. I, yeah. I, 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 had, uh, I had gotten D&D, the Advanced D&D, and the Dragonlance, I think, when, when, when this came out. But mm-hmm. I had no idea this existed. This just looks so freaking bizarre. I, I'm looking at covers here, and they have like this kangaroo-looking thing. Yeah, that's his, that's his ride. Yeah, this is insane. <laughs> very, love, plus it's very got weird. Some of uh, some of the uh, art in here is Gordon Purcell, and I kind of know him. Mm. So. Yeah, hand. I see that now. A handful of issues he did. Yeah. I don't know why, but I really like the cover to 10. Mm-hmm. I think it just looks cool. 
Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think when Mike does his next Periscope video of his unboxing, we're going to see some Gamma Rauders coming out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember now what the covers reminded me of. It, it made me think almost like, a, uh, what's it called, Zot from uh, Eclipse. The, yeah, uh, on the cover yeah. looked a lot like that. I could definitely well, the, see the that. Lead, the lead character kind of does. He has that haircut. Yeah, <laughs> and if we ever do a spinoff series, I'm down to cover Zot. That was a good, good series. Well, that's by the guy that um, wrote the How to Write Comics or whatever it is, right? Understanding, I mean, yeah. Understanding Comics. Yeah, Scott yeah. McCloud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Zot though. That's, that's I've good never stuff. read Zot ever. I haven't either. You can get uh, the the early issues pretty cheap, and then after that, uh, they they have uh, they switch to black and white. Uh, and some of those are a little harder to get a hold of, but those are all collected. So yeah. the black and white ones are in one collection, and the the color ones I think are only published uh, as individual issues. My favorite issue of Zot was number ten and a half. Do you remember that one, Joe? Uh, I've read it. I don't. Give me a little more detail. It was a mini comic. It wasn't regular comic size. It was done by Matt Feasel, and it's all like stick figure characters with like. Barely oh, a face. I see, I see the. I see the cover. <laughs> yeah, I, now, I know of it. That's one of the few ones I actually don't have because I think I have everyone that Scott did. I don't have that one. That issue, I bought it from New England Comics through the mail. It was like a quarter, and it came bagged and boarded, which was a huge deal back <laughs> in the eighties. Right. And that issue just cracked me up. There's no telling how many times I read that comic. I always used to love what they had like the you would vote to who would get the pie in the face, and then uh, then the final issue the big payoff is who gets the the pie in the face based on later <laughs> votes. That was awesome. <laughs> I want some pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, does anybody else have anything to cover? I'm all spent. I just did the one. I I was thinking about doing the Tallulah Black, but then it was those those Jonah hexes are almost always one and dones, and that happens to be one of the few two parters. So I had to order uh, part two. So um, once I get the second part of that one, I'll probably cover it. But I I wanted to have the an end for it before I covered it. So I I love Tallulah Black. Yeah, me me too. that that issue was was Phil Noto Arts really great and like I say my only disappointment was when I got to the end I was like oh crap this is a two parter so um but I ordered it so it'll be in my next box. Nice. Do you remember I what sure issue hope. that is? The first one. Uh, it, I think it was sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. I think so. Yeah, because I think the one I needed was seventeen. Okay. I sure hope yep, that whoever that. Yep. replaces Didio will maybe bring back some Jonah Hex for us. Even just a mini series. I mean, we 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 had Jonah for so long. I think we didn't realize that we were kind of in the golden age with that Palmiotti and Gray. Of, I'm really uh, lucky. Yeah, we were really lucky. They kept that going as long as they did. And, uh, and, uh, it wasn't yeah. a great. It wasn't a great seller. We were very lucky. It lasted. That, that's what exactly what I mean. I actually I think like Didio loved that character. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> because if he, I'm remembering... even in U fifty two, it launched All Star Western. Yep. yep. So... And that's not a bad series once you get no, used to the fact good. that he's running around in Arkham and in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jimmy Palmiotti said that the thing that kept that series going was that the trades sold really well, 
in different markets. And oh. he credit, credits that to the like the European artists they had doing a lot of the issues. Kind of like the, the uh, squirrel girl name? thing. Jordi Bernay was one of them, mm-hmm. you know, who's famous over in Italy and whatnot. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what he, he had said was that the, the trades kept that series alive, that monthly sales were dismal. But yeah. the trade the trade sold well enough. They were like, okay, well, we'll we'll work on the next trade. And, but yeah, that that is just such a great great series. And yeah. and no no, you could pick up an issue, and nine times out of ten, you could get a complete story in one issue. Felt like you got your money's worth. See some beautiful art, an interesting story. I, I certainly wish we'd get some more of that. Yeah, I think the issue after the Noda was the Sinkevich one. So yeah, it's like they 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 tried to get the you know a great artist on there. I actually miss Palmiati and Gray because I thought they worked together best. Yeah, like they would... they were better together, just like Abnet and Lanning to me. They, yeah, t- together they were better than separate. <laughs> I agree. Well, I would say that just based on the Jonah Hex work they did together. I mean that. But it's that alone the, it's would, also the freedom them... freedom fighters. It was so good. Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters stuff was excellent. And then they did a lot of stuff together until he kind of got married. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all became... know marriage changes things. Yeah. Well, now he co-writes with his wife, yep. Amanda Connor. All right. Well, I think we can wrap this one up then. Joe. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. This is fun. I'm glad we, we, we need to do it more frequently. Yeah. We should have asked for questions again. Yeah, we should have done it. Next time we'll do it. So uh, you can reach Joe at Iowa's Joe on the Twitter. You can reach Kirk at Big Five Army. You can reach Rob at Rob Krieger. And I am at Mike Myers Brunch, and we're located at the DC Noise Podcast.com. And also on the Facebook under the same name. And uh, we'll see you next time. Who knows what we'll bring. <laughs> I, I almost read a Yang. I almost did. Cause I, <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to bring it to the show because of what you posted on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I, I didn't want to give it away, but it was definitely in my head. I was like, it's one of these two. And then, like I say, when the one was a two-parter, it was the one I went with. I forgot that this was DC-centric in Charlton because I, I, I brought up an Atlas comic. <laughs> and I was going to, I'm going to cover this. And then I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I, I, I know what you're talking about. That one, uh, that one Kirk recommended was so much like a DC meets EC book that I halfway thought it was a, a DC book. <laughs> the one from Atlas. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have a good one. Thank you for doing this. And uh, we'll try to do it again in maybe two weeks. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.